the way we think about data. I mean, everyone's creating massive pools of data, but the real value is going to come between the intersection, if you like, of different data sets and how we collaborate around who owns what data. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future and it's brought to you by Wanda and Patton. I'm Doug Folks, and I'm joined as always by Claire Haydar, who's the CEO at Wanda. Claire, we're continuing our uh, talk about the future of work with Anton Musgrave. Tell me a little bit about Anton and what we're talking about today. So, Doug, as we saw in you know the first segment, which aired last week, we basically Anton laid that foundation for us in terms of the work that him and his team at Future will do with companies across the globe. And essentially, that is looking at the trends that are shaping the world of work today. What projections can we make into the future and basically think of ourselves differently as organizations? Most executives tend to get stuck in the day to day and don't really dedicate the necessary time to true strategic thinking. And so that is what Anton does with these companies, you know, along with his team at Future World. And in the second segment, we're actually diving into some of those things. So we're asking Anton like really practical questions, like what are the trends that are shaping the future of work? How are executives that they're doing this work with approaching this, thinking about this? And he's really going into very practical details with us about frameworks that can be used, um, typical mindsets that are actually very destructive to this process and on hindering more so than helpful. And so it's a really practical piece of the conversation, which I definitely um, am really looking forward to. Awesome. Anton, bring it on. You started talking about the different processes and things that you have to look at. So that maybe leads nicely into the second part of our conversation, which is around the trends that you see, you know, we've spoken about seven, 10 years out. In your opinion, what are what are those top trends? What are you seeing developing? Where are business leaders needing to be focusing on 10 years out, for example? So I, I, th I think there are a number of really higher order forces, if you like. I mean, speed is one of them. Speed of everything is not going away. Speed of change, speed of disruption, speed of technology, speed of accessing new markets potentially, all of that is, is escalating at an absolutely unprecedented rate. I was working with a bank in China just before lockdown and they take 36 hours, Doug, from the moment someone has an idea in a meeting to executing it in their business network. I mean, it's insane almost, right? So, so speed is one. I think automation of absolutely everything that can be automated will be automated. And that, of course, has huge consequences around jobs, processes, again, business models. And of course, the question ultimately is what drives differentiated premium value as any business when many things are automated that maybe are still manual today. And so when you then start thinking about that, then you say, well, OK, so I've got 10,000 people on my payroll. What are they going to do? Uh, the question then is, well, how do we design business model and engagement models where those humans can do things that are inherently very difficult for an automated process to execute. So where the value addition points that we can create for humans to do special things for customers, for, for suppliers, 
for everyone in your broader ecosystem, if you like. And that talks then about the skills we need, the structures we need, the kind of jobs we'll have. And of course, we all know the story, you know, 70% of 20, 30 jobs haven't been defined yet. And that's exciting. But then we look at a few other things. I mean, 5G is not just 25% better than 4G. 5G means we're going to live in a world in 10 years' time where 9 billion people on the planet are connected with unlimited broadband that will probably be either free or very, very affordable, even in you know, the poorest of rural communities, real-time speed with virtually zero data latency. Now, that open, opens up massive opportunities for almost every business. Think education, healthcare, uh, fast-moving consumer goods, et cetera, et cetera. That has huge implications. And then you add into that uh, virtual augmented reality, and the big theme that I speak about is this concept of visualization where you're able to visualize differently, training, customer experiences. You know, I hate thinking about the metaverse and, uh, and so forth, but we are going to live in this blended version of reality and, and virtuality, if you like. And, and it will be a seamless integration across all of that. So I think that's going to change. Uh, I think cyber risk, obviously, is going to escalate uh, exponentially. So how we cope with that, how we deal with that, I think is going to be really important. I think another big area is the way we think about data. I mean, everyone's creating massive pools of data, but the real value is going to come between the intersection, if you like, of different data sets and how we collaborate around who owns what data. And so, again, in the old world, many large companies wanted to own all their data and, and develop all their own you know, tech stack and systems, etc. In the new world, it's going to be about not owning it but collaborating and sharing. And so who do we collaborate with? And that then brings around another interesting question, which is, again, maybe a little bit high level, but how good are companies actually at building collaborative relationships? And I'm not talking about, you know, 140-page legal contracts. I'm talking about relationships where the leadership teams actually align around achieving a common outcome or common purpose and make that happen, not because of a massively complex legal document, but because... They share in the excitement of changing something in the marketplace for the customer's benefit. And they find new ways of delivering that customer excitement. Yeah, yeah there's many of these things. So, Anton, where I want us to go next in the conversation is, so fully agree with like everything you've said. You know what I mean? The speed, the automation, the 5G, the data, all, all of these things. Take us a little bit down a practical route. So again, coming back to the typical audience who's listening into this conversation that we're having today, what do executives need to be doing in the next six months to be thinking about these issues that you're talking about? Because from my lens, being the company that we are doing the work that we do, I can definitively say to you that less than 0.1% of our customer base is preparing themselves and thinking about this stuff? Okay, for me, it's probably, gosh, let me think, let me try and make it simple. Two things. One, make the time to think about the future 10 years out. Actually make the time. Step number one. So have thoughts. How do you rewire your brain to think differently about something out there? The second thing is, and I think it's really, really important in the kind of world we're living in now, you know, if you just read the news headlines over the last 48 hours for that matter, it's no surprise that 74% of business executives in America have more than one mental illness symptom. 
it's no surprise that significant percentages of all the generational categories are anxious at the moment. So as a leader, I think the most important thing to do in the very short term is work with your teams to understand exactly why you exist. What is your purpose as an organization? And by the way, this is not about your desired market cap or desired level of profitability. You can't put a dollar sign in front of it because then it's not the purpose. Dollar, dollar success is an outcome of being something important in the life of your community or your customer base, your society, your marketplace, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's something qualitative. What is that? So this concept of understanding why organizations exist as opposed to what and how they do things is so important as an anchor for anxious employees, anxious customers, et cetera, to uh, aggregate around that purpose and then give them clarity of direction. The next thing to do, actually, as a leadership team is to write down what are the 10 core assumptions that underpin your today's business model? How do you make your money? How do you do your business today? What are the 10 things that shape your P&L, if you like, or your income statement? Write them down. And then having spent a bit of time thinking about the world 10 years out, I'd like you to delete which of those still stay relevant in 10 years. Just draw a line through them. Because the ones that remain are what I call toxic assumptions. They're valid today, so they give you a sense of confidence that you're on the right path, you're focusing on the right things, allocating your resources appropriately. But that's the moment of realization when 50% of your current assumptions are no longer valid somewhere between now and 10 years. That's the moment of clarity when you say, wow, I'd better press pause and rethink the destination that I'm aiming this organization at. Because half of what I'm doing right now will actually break between now and then. So that creates that moment of strategic clarity that we can't just continue doing what we are doing. The next question for me is, then you need to look at your leadership team, maybe even your board of directors and say, have I got the right people to help me think strategically about this new destination? You know, it's fascinating when you look at the boards of many of the world's biggest banks, the level of diversity is frightening. The level of a deep insight to have a strategic capital allocation decision or discussion on whether we're going, you know, with this uh, form of AI or this form of robotics or this form of automation is very limited. So how are you having these board level strategic conversations? Do you have the right people in the room to have a diverse, wide ranging set of conversations that can then help you make um, the most appropriate decision? Those are some of the things that I think need to happen in the short term. A, make time to think about the future. B, understand exactly why you exist. Uh, talk about the toxic assumptions in your business. And then look at the people around you and say, have I got the right mix of people to help me explore this very difficult concept of having a view about the destination and building a business that's going to be relevant in that world? It's not easy. The beauty, the exciting part is there's very few wrong answers. But you need to think strategically as opposed to operationally or tactically. And that is the end of part two of our conversation about the future of work and how it is probably impacting you today. 
If you missed the first part of our conversation with Anton, you can check it out on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website, wndyr.com. We'll conclude our chat with Anton shortly. From Clara and myself, we'll see you soon.